Hi friends, welcome to episode 14 of Not Your Average Music Therapist. Thank you so much for being here with me. I just celebrated my birthday yesterday. Um, It'll be a few days before this recording goes out, but it was so nice and it was filled with just a lot of love and um, simple moments of me recognizing the love coming my way. Whether that was in Facebook messages, Instagram messages and posts and um, phone calls from my family and friends. My one friend, she, uh, she has a little toddler and so she called and left a message and her toddler sang with her it was so adorable and she used a little bit of a music therapy technique, (laughs) letting him fill, fill in the blank at the end of the song. So he sang all the yous. Happy birthday to you, to me. So that was really fun. And um, even even something as simple as feeling the sun shine on me through the window. It's like, yeah, that too was love coming my way. So um, it's cool to be still here on this earth for another year. And I'm grateful to be here with all of you. And thanks to every one of you who um, is connected with me online and who sent me a message. That was so thoughtful of you, so thanks. Um, So I talked a little bit about focusing in on my birthday, on the love coming my way. But today we're going to focus in. (laughs) I don't know why I transitioned that way. It didn't really really work, but that's okay. You're still here. We're going to focus in on um, this subject that so many music therapists are questioning and wondering and navigating. It's like the biggest thing that I hear about um, besides general work-life balance things. This is a hot topic, I guess you could say. This is the thing that comes up most often in my conversations with with, um music therapists, especially new professionals. And it's this thing where you may be in an area of the world or of um, the United States, and maybe you just graduated from school, or maybe you're finishing up your internship, or maybe you just got your certification. And it's like, okay, now what? How how can I work? Like, what kind of job do I want to get? Um, where can I find that job? What if there isn't a job? Can I still do music therapy? Like, what is that process? And should I, um, start my own business? Could I subcontract? Would subcontracting be any easier? All these things. So what I want to talk about today is, What do you do if you can't find a music therapy job in your area? So I remember my professors in college uh, talking about job prospects for music therapists. It's something that we may have only talked about one time. I know a lot of people, when they're gearing up for um, college searching, looking for or thinking about what kind of career they want to go into. It's like, oh, well, 
am I going to get a job after I finish up school? Or will this job make me any money after school? And I feel like uh, we uh, music therapists go into this field not thinking about that. Or if we think about it, we don't put any weight on it. It, it. It's not It's not our first priority when picking this field. I'll say that. We don't go into this job for the money. We go into this job because we think it's so cool that we can help people and do that as our job with music at the same time. So when my professors brought this up, um, it was the first time I felt the uncertainty in their voices. The reality that these magical musical moments might not be enough to carry me through my career. It was kind of surreal when I think about it. Um, It was that one time when I'm like, oh no, there's something that's not good about this field. So they talked about how we can always find a music therapy job, um, but we can only we can always find one if we move. So it wasn't like, oh yeah, we can always get one. It's like, oh no, you can get one, but you might have to move. Um, the way they said it was in this way that felt like they were disguising the fact that moving is so hard. And moving is not usually everyone's first choice. When I thought about it, it was... It was like, oh, well, I expected to have to move for internship, but for my job too. Like, oh, that's so much. I, it's like, you don't, you don't want to face that reality that, that you might have to move for your job. And then I guess if you think about it, um, it's kind of the same for any job where you get paid a ton of money and you're sought out for your specialty, you know, like doctors, professors, scientists, things like that. But for a job as, I don't know, colloquial as music therapy, this essential service that we would hope to see in every school, every hospital, rehab facility, psych center, and really just every community, um, it doesn't feel like we music therapists should have to move for a job. But that is reality and an unfortunate one, I suppose. But um, if we think further into the subject, we can see that there are options you know, we are, we are creative professionals. We, um, we can always find a way, I think. And if we have the energy, the time, space, and support, we can creatively find our way through anything. So what do you do if there are no music therapy jobs in your area? We already know that the first option is to move. You know, you can do a Google search. You can look on Indeed. You can look on one of those um, Facebook music therapy job 
groups or pages, um, and then apply to the job, interview, audition, and then pack your bags. But what else? What else is there? When I think about this, I think about, you know, who came before us. The only reason a job exists is because someone somewhere created it. So we can too then. This field was born out of um, people exploring music, seeing its benefits, and then shaping those two things into an education and a profession. Um, you know, we can talk about the pioneer music therapist. And you can't see me, but I'm, I'm putting air quotes around pioneer because I do want to bring up the fact that many, many people all across history have been doing this thing that we now call music therapy, just not in the professional sense that we think of in the Western world. So I want to put that out there. But from our uh, frame of reference, you know, I live in the United States and we do have this profession now called music therapy. And it's a career, it's an education. But I think a lot of places around the world don't have music therapy as a profession but they still do have it for what it is, music as this healing art form. So anyway, <laughs> um, I think about the music therapists who um, really had the first music therapy jobs in my area. And they, uh, they worked in schools. They were school-based music therapists. And it's interesting when I think about this because most of the jobs or the um, readily available interviews <laughs> or positions in my area are for jobs in schools or jobs for people with various um, intellectual and developmental disabilities, which is, um, that's the group of people that music therapists in my area often work with in the school system. And then other places I've lived, um, there were many more jobs and positions and um, job openings in elder care. So like in long-term care facilities, memory care, um, hospitals, hospice, those kinds of places. Um, and then when I tracked that back and talked with people, I found out that the, the music therapists in those, in that area who had the first music therapy jobs were in, were working in elder care. All of this to say, you can start something that will sustain your life and your career and last for years to come, just like these other music therapists that came before us. But it's hard, and it takes time. I mean, even if we think about our, our field, we've existed for, what, 60 or so years? No, 70 now? I can't do the math, sorry. 
but it, our our profession has been around for a while and there still aren't very many jobs and there aren't a lot of um there isn't a lot of standardization for the job itself so these things take time creating a sustainable and fulfilling life and career will take time and i think it's it's a lie to think that we're going to have that right off the bat i think it very rarely happens like we want it to or as we would hope it to um or maybe as our professor professors would promise it to um so it takes time and here are a few ways that you can do this i'm going to talk about this from a couple different frames so we're going to think about it in terms of if you are financially stable and you have a little extra income that at your disposal and if you're not financially stable and you just need to make money <laughs> cuz for a lot of us that is reality okay i am really cold in this room so i'm getting a blanket right now okay now that i'm snuggled under my bright blue blanket it is cold in rochester okay so uh, let's just break that down you are financially stable that could mean that you have some sort of cushion maybe your family supports you financially maybe you live with them currently maybe you have a partner who makes the bulk of the money that pays the bills maybe you have an amazing savings account that can support you for months or years. Um, maybe you're living with friends right now and you're able to um, use your savings. Um, there are a lot of different ways that you can be financially stable. And those are some of the examples that I could think of. But for most of us, we're not very financially stable. So I want to say we can do, we can take all the steps that I'm about to talk about um, to create our own jobs or try to create employee positions. However, it's going to take longer if we're not already financially stable. So if you're not yet financially stable, you can do all of these same steps that I'm about to talk about, but it might take a little while longer. And that's just because if you're not financially stable, you need to get a job and make money like now, right away. Um, so having that job that pays you to start out might mean waiting to do music therapy. And um, on another episode, we can talk more about what kind of jobs you may be suited for. Jobs that may still feel fulfilling and jobs that may... Uh, bring out another passion of yours that you don't really access in music therapy. So we'll talk about that another time. But um, if you're thinking about, um, you know, what jobs are in my area, oh, there are none, and then you want to do something about it instead of having to move for that music therapy job, you can do one of two things. You can... Um, create or find or make an employee-based job 
employee-based position within a company. And that means you work for a company or organization, you are paid a salary, you are entitled to benefits, your employer um, will be setting aside part of your paycheck for taxes, or you can have a contract-based job. That means that you are a business owner, you work with clients or organizations or companies outside of your own, you are paid by contract, and you are responsible for setting aside money for taxes. Um, If you want more information on those differences and all those kinds of options, I would refer you to the other episode that I recorded, um, which is called From Student to Professional. I kind of break down all of those options and what it really means to be a business owner versus being an employee. But today we're talking about the creation of those things. So if you are financially stable and you can start something new right away um, at, you know, as fast as you can, I guess, um, or if, if you have a side job or a full-time job and you have a little extra time at night or on the weekends, what you can do is create an employee-based position or take steps to start a business. So those two things that I just mentioned earlier, you can do one of those two things. And for the rest of the episode, I'm going to take you through my list of how to do these things. So what does it mean to create an employee-based position? This means you're going to talk with a different company and organization outside of just you and try to propose something, try to start something. So to create this employee position, you have to do the following in any order. And this is not an exhaustive list. So please don't come back to me and say, well, you didn't say I needed this. And now I do. Um, This is just all coming from my own head and experience. So first, uh, Find out if the company or organization you're interested in working at has or contracts with a music therapist. You probably should find out before you try to create your own job there. Um, And if this place has a music therapist, it's best practice to either leave them alone or contact that music therapist and start a conversation. Maybe that therapist is trying to create a new position at that place already and you can be of assistance and then you can get that job. Or um, maybe that music therapist knows of a different um, facility under that agency that could use a music therapist. And then it's like you already have an in. You have someone referring you to create a position somewhere else. So if the place that you're interested in working at has a music therapist, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That still could lead you to a job. You just never know. So what you're going to do next, um, let's say this, um, let's say this facility or company does not have a music therapist, then your job is to best establish a relationship with them in any way that you can. So maybe when you're thinking about finding a place to pitch music therapy to, 
think about your circle of life. Um, the people in your life, I mean. <laughs> the circle of life. Um, <laughs> okay, a little musical interlude. Um, think about the people in your life. Your family, your parents, your relatives, your friends, maybe former co-workers of yours, maybe the um, person that you buy bagels from, and ask yourself if any of them know, um, if any of them are connected with a place that could potentially benefit from music therapy. Very, very likely you'll know someone in your life who's a nurse, who works at a rehab facility, who's a teacher in a school, like the possibilities are endless. So what you'll want to do is find a point person that you can have an in with at this place. Um, And then that person, because they're on the inside of this company already, they can be your advocate or at least find you the next person who can be your advocate. So I am working right now on a proposal for a local hospital. And the way that I found myself setting up this proposal was this long line of people that I interacted with who then became my advocates. So my husband was working at a cider bar um, once upon a time, and there was a musician playing this one night. And they got to talking. Turns out that this musician was also a um, hospice chaplain. And it was so cool that, you know, this person happened to work in hospice. And Greg, of course, knew that my background with work was in hospice. So they got to talking. Um, Greg got me in touch with this guy. And from there, I found out that he also was working in palliative care at this local hospital. He asked if I'd be interested in presenting to the palliative care team at the hospital. And one thing led to another. And I, I I got my feet in the doors of this hospital because of that relationship. Um, and since then, this person has been a great advocate. And, um, now the palliative care president has been even more of an advocate who's doing the work in the facility already to try and make a way for music therapy. It's much easier to make a way if there's someone on the inside helping you out because there's really only so much I can do from the outside without establishing that relationship. You know, I think in life, everything is about relationship. And I feel like I just can see that anywhere I go. It's all about, it's all about who you know. It's all about relationship. So even if you don't know anyone at the place that you're looking to propose to or you want an employee position at, start somewhere. Maybe think about what departments or what other professionals music therapists work with in whatever facility it is. So I'm thinking like, okay, in the hospital, we might work with speech therapists or physical therapists. We might work with nurses or doctors. We could work with the child life team or the palliative care team or oncology um, or, you know, whatever it is. And so if you make contact with one of those people from any of those various departments, 
then that person automatically is your advocate. You know, they know you now and they can speak on your behalf. And then, I mean, if not, if they don't have any interest in helping you out, maybe they can point you in the direction of someone else. So at the same hospital I've been talking about, um, when we first started working on this proposal and, you know, the very first time I walked in the doors to do this presentation, the palliative care doctor said, you know what, we can't really do this right now. We don't have the budget for it, but check in with Child Life and see if they can. So he gave me the name and the number of the Child Life Specialist, the head of the department, and I contacted her and she's like, we would love music therapy. Like we want that so bad, but we can't afford it. It's not in our budget. So I'm sorry, but contact this person because, okay. And you guys are going to get upset. He's, he's the volunteer coordinator. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. But, but what she also said in that message was he knows everyone and anyone there is to know in the hospital. And then what I found out was that the same person was the head of special programming and, oh, music therapy might be a special program that you want to start at the hospital. So cool. Let me talk with this guy. Um, so anything that you can do to establish a relationship with this place is your first step in making a way for music therapy and creating that employee position. And as you do that, um, you know, probably the first conversation you have is going to be, what is music therapy? And I think in another episode, we can talk about um, maybe strategies for advocacy and networking and you know, I always thought I would do um, a workshop or a CMTE on like networking 102 or or networking 200, like the, the next step. Besides, besides your elevator speech, you know, what, what next? What else can you be thinking about when you're talking with people about this? So I'll save my story about that conversation with that volunteer coordinator for that episode. But that's probably the next step. So a conversation about music therapy, maybe like me, you'll have um, an opportunity to present on music therapy, but that's likely what's going to happen right off the bat. You have to tell them about this thing because oftentimes people think they know what music therapy is because they think, oh, this person has a guitar on their back walking through the hospital. That's music therapy but they don't realize that person needs to be certified to be a music therapist. Like, you know, the little details, they don't really, they don't really pay close attention to that. But anyway, after you establish some sort of relationship with someone, anyone, even if it's, um, support staff or, um, uh, like a teacher's aide, like anyone, after you establish a relationship, um, I would say ask them what they need in order to create a music therapy program or position. 
And when I say program or position, um, you can either advocate for creating like just a job for you, or you can advocate for creating a program. So creating like a department or um, a space for music therapy to grow into more than just one position. Hopefully that made sense. And um, so I suggest asking them, asking them what they need in order to help you create a position. Because I think oftentimes we jump so quickly to creating a proposal that we don't realize that maybe we don't even need a proposal. Maybe this place has been dreaming up having a music therapist on staff for years and they're like, they're already ready for a music therapist. And then they just needed like that phone call from the music therapist to say, Hey, I want to create a job here. (laughs) Um, so, um, you very well may need a music therapy proposal. However, you might not want to put all of your time into creating a proposal. It's a very long process unless you pay for it um, because you might not need it. So I would ask them first, what do you need in order for me to create a music therapy job or employee position here? So yes, they might not need a music therapy proposal. However, they might need a music therapy proposal. So, um, you have to kind of decide for yourself if you think it's worth it to create a proposal just have on hand for people or just create it um, when the time comes when someone asks for it. So I guess I guess you have to figure that out for you if you want to create one um, to have ready or just wait to see if they actually need it. But you can you can put together parts of the proposal that can be helpful. So I guess the next steps would be to put together a budget. So that could be part of the proposal. It could be separate from the proposal. Um, The company hiring you and, you know, creating this whole new position, they'll need to know how much they'll be setting aside or investing in a music therapist or music therapy position or program. So think about how many instruments do I need do I need an iPad? Do I need a piano? Do I need um, money for AMTA or CBMT dues? Um, do I need money for CMTE credits? Um, there's so many things that can go into a budget. Maybe we'll have an episode on that. Um, but that is really helpful for a company to see like how much money do we actually need to start this thing. And think about, too, is this just for the first year or is this money going to carry over to the second year? So, for instance, when you put down your salary as part of the budget, that's going to renew. You're going to need that money every single year for your salary. However, when you set up an instrument budget, you're probably only going to need that full instrument budget the first year because you can use those instruments years year after year after year. However, you might need to add like guitar strings or repairs, money for repairs or 
updated music um, as something that you'll need to pay for every single new year. And one of my biggest pieces of advice would be to stay in communication, however long it takes. So just to be real with you, I'm currently going on three years into a relationship with this hospital that I'm proposing music therapy to. Three years, three years. And some of you might say, oh my goodness, that's not worth it. That's so long to not have the job you want and to have to figure out what else, what other kind of job you need um, while you're trying to create this thing. But when I think about it, um, if I'm able to create this position at the hospital and then grow it into a program and hire more music therapists, it's well worth the one, two, three, five, maybe even 10 years that I spend putting my time and effort into it. And honestly, it's not like I'm doing full-time music therapy proposal work for this hospital. It's like every once in a while, I'll get an email from um, the palliative care president with an update or asking me for a music therapy job description or, you know, wondering how much this one instrument costs. So it's really, really helpful that you stay in communication because one of these months, something can turn around in their budget and they have a lot more money for you. And if you're on their mind, if you have been talking with them, you know, at least once a month, then they'll think of you and then things can go much more quickly at that time. So yes, fingers crossed for me that this um, moves forward, but my point is to stay in communication. And as you are taking steps to develop a position or program at a place that does not already have music therapy or maybe a different department in a facility or in, a, in an organization that does have music therapy, get the support that you need. It is really hard creating a position from the ground up. There are things that may come up that may make you scratch your head and wonder, like, what the heck do I do? It may take so much longer than expected, like for me, (laughs) and you may very well grow tired and weary and ask yourself if this pursuit is still worth it. And maybe for you, it isn't. Maybe you're like, you know, I have so many more passions in my life and I'd rather pursue those other things that can get up and running quicker. Um, But, you know, if not, I think you still can do it, but I think it will take support. So this is where a trusted friend, a music therapy buddy, a mentor, a supervisor, or even like a coach um, or a therapist can enter with the encouragement that you need to keep on going. And the, I guess the final step would be develop the position or the program. So how will you accept referrals? Will you be able to document within the facility system? Where will your instruments be stored? 
Will you have an office or desk space? Will they reimburse you if you have to travel for the job? There are so many questions to ask and so many answers to seek out when you're first developing a program. And finally, enjoy the feeling of having a job where you don't have to track taxes for yourself and you don't have to move for the job. Sometimes the stars align and you won't even have to take all these steps as the company is already wanting to create music therapy and other times it may be a much longer and rockier road. But those are some steps that you can take to create an employee-based position. Now, we've been on this episode for quite a while, but I think we can go through this last thing real quick. Um, And I'll put all this info up in a blog too, so you can refer back to it if you're trying to take those steps. And as always, I'm here if you need advice for where to start and when. Um, I just had the joy and privilege of talking with a couple music therapists uh, just this past week who are at different um, stages of these journeys, figuring out a proposal and creating a music therapy position or program, and also figuring out how to start your own business. So reach out. I'd love to talk. And I'm thinking about new ways to have these conversations together as a group too. So um, hopefully I can get things up and running for that pretty soon. So the second way of um, having a music therapy job in your area, if one doesn't already exist, is to take steps to start a business your own business. This could be subcontracting, contracting, private practice, being a sole proprietor, having a DBA, which is doing business as. Um, Call it what you want. These are all different avenues of business ownership. It's kind of got that same umbrella. And refer back to that other episode if you need more info on that. But In other words, you have to track and pay your own taxes. The company you work for is now your own, and you have to pay your taxes. I will stress this again. If you are subcontracting, you are a business owner and have to think about taxes. If you contract with a company, meaning you are not considered an employee, you probably signed a... um, what is it? W-9? Yes. Uh, you are a business owner. I know subcontracting or having a part-time position with this company, but you're contracting. It sounds different than going into business and opening up a private practice, but it's really all the same thing. And my hope is that more music therapists um, hear and understand this so that fewer of us make the same make the same mistakes that I did and struggle financially when it comes to tax time. I do not want anyone else to be surprised like I was when I didn't realize I was a contractor and I had to pay a buttload of money for taxes. So taking steps to start a business may look like the following in any order, and this is not an exhaustive list. 
So you pick a business name. Could be your own name, could be something very um, creative and thoughtful, but you have to, at some point, in some way, pick a business name because this business name will go on your forms and your checks and your website or email address. All these different things will have your business name. Um, And sign up for uh, whatever business type you want. There's probably better business language for this, but type is the easiest for me to think of. So this would be like DBA, doing business as, LLC, a corporation. Um, maybe you want to start an, a nonprofit, which be, would be a little different. So you have to figure out, okay, what kind of business, what type, what structure of my business do I want? There, There's so much more information on the the pros and cons of each of those types. So you can do your research. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to give you um, a resource that has been so helpful to me when thinking about um, starting a business. So um, the next thing would be to uh, track things financially. And you can use software that does this for you so easily, so quickly, and it will save you hours and hours and hours of your time. But it does cost some money. So these things would be um, like QuickBooks is one of them, FreshBooks. There's there's a lot of different options. But these um, programs track your financials. The other option, if you really can't afford paying for something, is to create your own spreadsheets. And this is like pretty simple to do, but it does take a lot of time. If you want it just right, if you're trying to figure out how to use Excel and you can't really remember from school from school days, um, but we do have to track what's happening in our business. Even if we're subcontracting, even if we're contracting like part-time with a company. So we track expenses anything that you pay for that has to do with your business. So um, any CMTEs that you sign up would go under like education. Um, uh, If you pay for your website, your email, um, if you pay for advertising, if you pay for the internet that you use to work on your business, if you pay for Zoom, if you pay for um, your phone, because you're making phone calls to people about your business, if you pay for business cards, if you pay for consultation, if you pay for coaching to get your business up and running and figure out how to do it, these are all things that are considered expenses that would um, be on your expense spreadsheet. So um, expenses, and then the next couple things, these are things that you might want to run by an accountant. I have an accountant um, that I found through a friend. She does accounting like this on the side as like her little side hustle. she char- She doesn't charge me that much, and we have traded for calligraphy pieces in the past, but she has been so, so helpful over the years to figure out, okay, is this an expense that I can track? Okay, how do I organize 
this thing that I'm paying for? Like supervision, where does that go? Does that go under um, like professional uh, development or does that go under something else? So it is so, so helpful to work with an accountant if you can. And the other thing you want to track is mileage um, from your business site, which for many of us is our home because we don't have like an office or anything, to your client or to the business meeting that you have or to the um, networking event that you're going to or to that presentation that you're giving or that conference that you're going to. All of the mileage that you use, track that. That's a much easier way um, to deduct things around tax time than figuring out um, uh, your car expenses. And that might be a little too detailed for this conversation, but I track my mileage. That's the easiest way that I've found to do that. Um, And then probably the most important thing, you want to track your income. And I can't stress this enough because I've had so many contracts and facilities where, um, you know, I, I, I had worked, I had done the music therapy group, I had sent them my invoice, and then I sent them an invoice for the next month, and I got paid for that next month, but didn't get paid for the month prior. But I was tracking it, so I was able to contact them and say, hey, look, I got paid for this month, but I didn't get paid for last month. Can we check on that? Um, So we have to track our income. We have to. Um, And along with that, we need an invoice. We need to have some sort of document that we can send to the facility, to the client, to the organization that says, we did this session and it cost this much and the money is due on this date. And if you don't pay the money by that date, I want to charge you extra because I need to get paid on time. (laughs) So an invoice, um, a template to use is so helpful. And I might put my invoice template up on my website at some point. So look out for that if I get around to it. And for legal purposes, you really should create a contract or a nicer way of saying that is an agreement. Myself and my client agree that the sessions are going to look like this. They're going to happen this frequently. They're going to be paid for in this way. And we both sign it. That's essentially what a contract is. Um, I just had an instance where um, this organization got... um, approved for a grant and it was like it was in November right before the end of the year so they got this grant for the end of the year and um they they took me on as a contractor to do some music therapy groups and it happened so 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 quickly because we needed to use the money right away for this grant in the last month of the year that we never set up a contract and I'm like kicking myself for not doing it earlier And, um, I had worked with a client who didn't show up for a couple of her sessions, but as part of my agreement, 
and I state it on my invoice too, as part of my contract, I say, if a client doesn't show up and I have no notice that they're not good, that they can't make it, I'm still going to pay them. I'm still going to charge them for the session. So they were confused and they were upset because they were paying for sessions that didn't happen even though they understood that I need to get paid as a professional, even if um, someone doesn't show up. But the point is, we didn't have a contract that we both signed that said, this is the way we do things. So now we do, <laughs> and it's okay. But I wanted to tell you that story so that you know um, how much weight there is in some sort of contract or agreement. And when you create your contract or agreement, or if you find one online that you can use as a template, just know that you can edit it, you can change it over time. And that's what so many businesses do. But it's still important to have something in place. And then you'll set up your policies and procedures for your business, like how cancellation works and payment and um, the schedule of sessions and what your client can or can't do, what they have the right to do, um, you know, all of those things. And there are, um, I'm sure there are templates for that online too. And one very important thing is to sign up for liability insurance, another legal thing. And when you do this, make sure it covers all of the areas of your work that you need it to. So that could be doing the actual music therapy. It could be educational purposes, like you doing presentations at places. It could be for um, conferences or tabling events where you are a vendor and you need some protection if, if you're in someone else's facility and you get hurt or something like that. You need that insurance. Um, and we can talk about those different insurance options at some point, or I would just suggest that you go on to the music therapy business owners Facebook page and go to the little search bar and search liability insurance. And you'll find so many conversations of different options of, um, insurances that people have worked with or signed up for. Okay. My voice is getting tired. We're almost done. Okay. The other things that you can do to legitimize your business are create a vision. What do you want to see? Where do you want to be in your business in like five years? Vision is something so hard for me because I either think way too big, which is probably the better way to go, or I think way too small. Like I want one client. <laughs> that is my vision for my business. Um, which is really good. That can be a really helpful thing, but I think we can, we can dream bigger than that too. You can create your mission statement and there are so many templates online and, uh, blog posts, not mine, but other people's blog posts about how to create a mission statement, what a mission statement should entail. And then you can create your branding, your colors, your marketing, your website, your email, like all those other things. Those things I find so fun. And um, yes, maybe we'll do a workshop on that sometime. But 
those are the other things that can kind of come secondary to like, I need an invoice to send you after we work together. Um, and you can write out your goals too. That's another thing. And not only your goals, but how will you know if you are successful? What, what will you measure your success by or your goals by? Um, it's kind of like, you know, when we write music therapy goals, we have to see, you know, what measure am I looking at for success? How do I know that this client is making progress? So it's the same thing if you're in business. And the one thing I wanted to say is that when you want to go into business, when you want to have clients of your own, don't feel like you have to have everything set up from the beginning. You don't. And, um, you know, it actually, it, it could be a waste of time if you set up all of these things before you even work with a client, because it could take days or weeks or months before you find clients or before you find groups or before you find the right people to work with you. So I think, you know, the most important thing is having an invoice template ready to go so that if anyone like your mom's friend's niece is looking for a music therapist or hears that you're a music therapist and going into business, um, they can just call you up and you can just start working right away. You don't need all this stuff to start working. These things are just the things that will make your work better and more secure in the long run. And I guess besides the invoice and then maybe the contract, um, the most important thing in my mind is to track all of your income and your expenses and mileage and, um, and then take your time to set up policies and, um, make sure you get liability insurance, which, you know, that might, that you might need from the beginning, but don't feel like you can't start working with people unless you have everything set up. You really don't. I, I have done calligraphy as a business for several years and I didn't have half of these things set up when I first started making money at that. So I want to leave you with one of my favorite resources that I've used that so many music therapists I know have used in starting their own businesses. And that is the Therapy Business Blueprint by Kimberly St. Amore. It is only $17, so it's not that much money, but it will serve you well for years and years to come. I was just showing a music therapist the, um, the book the other day because it's like you kind of want to see if it will serve you well um, before buying something. I was just scrolling through and showing her the pages and the, the different um, action steps and all the resources that she has in there. And it is so, so helpful. She goes through all of these things and actually has action steps for each chapter and each new thing that you're going through. So that is one of my favorite re resources and I think it will serve you very well 
if you are taking steps to go into business because sadly there are not music therapy jobs everywhere in the world. Wow, what an episode. Um, I find that when I get into things, I talk a little more than I expected. This episode will be in blog form soon so that you can refer to this if you need it. And maybe we'll set up a group at some point to go through these things together if there are several of you who are thinking of going into business. You know, one of the things that I said for um, uh, when I was talking about creating an employee position is get the support you need. This is a long process. And I say that really for any music therapist, but especially if you're starting something new like a business, we need support. These things are so hard. There are so many obstacles along the way. There are so many questions that we have or just things like that we want to run by each other. Like, hey, what do you think about this business name? Or do you think that that um, this client would work well with me and the type of music therapy that I do? Or should I refer them to someone else? Like, there's so many things. Um, And then like with other music therapists, you can run by like, does this invoice template look like it has everything that it needs to have? Or is there anything that that I should add to my policies and procedures? So I think these things are better done together than alone. So we'll set something up soon. I'm thinking of all of you and hoping that you are doing well and you are safe and feeling good. And we will talk again soon.